You're listening to CTO Bob with Bob Pellerin. You are listening to episode number eight of CTO Bob podcast. Today on the episode, I've got the pleasure to welcome Lou Adler, best-selling author on Amazon of several books dealing with hiring and getting hired. So I'd like to start by thanking you for appearing on the podcast today. Happy to do it. Now, if we could start the discussion by talking a little bit about the traditional methods of hiring and contrasting that with the new methods and the new tools available the use of social media, and especially sites such as LinkedIn that I know that you're a part of? Well, I think, and that's actually an interesting point. I think there are, when you break hiring down into its components, some of it's relatively new, some of it's relatively old. Interviewing is a component of hiring. That's not anything to do with social media. So it's just how you talk to people on the phone and assess their competency. And there are good ways and uh, bad ways to do that and wrong ways to do it. So uh, when you, most people talk about social media and hiring, they're thinking of how do you find and connect with candidates? Uh, how do you post your job? So that's a subset of hiring, which is, would be called sourcing or advertising. How do you advertise for these jobs? Um, so at some level, there's a host of it. Hey, you can go on LinkedIn and you can post jobs there. You can post jobs on Twitter. You can have followers. Uh, you can uh, find a name on LinkedIn and send that person an instant message. So I don't look at that as relatively new. It's just a different means of communicating with people. And I think when people look at it that way, it's, oh, it's just the way rather than me calling you up, Bob, I send you a, uh, a text and you responded to me. Uh, although I could, you could also be looking on your uh, LinkedIn and, uh, mobile app or your career, mo- career builder mobile app and you see half a dozen jobs that are on there and you decide to apply to one or two of them you know, by the push of a button because it automatically sends your profile or resume. So I think at some level, when you break it into the components, it's just another way. And I, so I don't, it doesn't seem to me to be anything rocket science. It's, it's the way of communicating now. So we look at it that way. Uh, so at some level, I think, but I asked this question yesterday to 130 recruiters. I was in San Francisco uh, with LinkedIn, and these were uh, both corporate and third-party recruiters. A uh, corporate recruiter, someone who works in a company, third-party was somebody who gets a fee for putting a candidate into a job. And I asked them this question. I said, how do most top performers, top performers, the best top 10, 15, 20% find their jobs? And I said, A, through a referral or a trusted source or by responding to an ad. And I did a survey in parallel to that. And every single per, every 130 people in the room all said through a uh, referral or trusted source. And on the, my online survey, I had 600 people on it. They actually, and um, 95% of the 600 said the same thing, trusted source. So that's pretty old-fashioned. When I started recruiting, and I'm coming to the end of this story, Bob, uh, when I started recruiting uh, 1978, and even when I worked for a living prior to that, that's how I got jobs, and that's how we found people. We did, so it was networking. That hasn't changed at all. Now, I might send you a text, hey, Bob, Bill Jones just suggested I give you a call, So, but it's a referral, but I connected with you differently. So I think when you look at it that way, uh, some of the old tried and true stuff still works, just the method of communication has changed pretty profoundly. Well, I can certainly agree with your findings. Most of the positions I've held in the past were really uh, obtained through word of mouth. I was offered positions based on reputation or based on individuals that I knew that I'd worked with, perhaps, or that I'd worked for, uh, such as clients. 
I was approached and very rarely did I ever go out and look for positions. Right. So I think that's the idea is that uh, there is this private network. I'm going to call it the hidden job market, but let's assume it's a hidden job market where if I if I need a real good accountant, I'm not going to post an ad. I'm going to talk to somebody I know at Pricewaterhouse, assuming that I and I do, I just happen to know some people, a partner. I said, hey, was there any ever, I'm looking for a three to five year CPA. Anybody any good? Uh if I need a software developer, I got a couple of people in Silicon Valley. Hey, I need somebody to help me on this Python project. You know anybody? But I think people who are good know how to get good people. Uh, so that's I call it the hidden job market, and where people tend to go by referrals. And there's a public market, which are all these postings, which about 20% of the population finds jobs that way. But I don't. I think it's for the rank, and I know that's kind of sad to say, but that's probably for the rank and file. For the real critical positions, most people are going to get a referral. So my message to these recruiters yesterday was, hey, if you guys, and I said, how many of you in 130 recruiters in the room, how many of you want to hire the best people? So I said, so why are you doing anything other than spending 90% of your time uh, getting referrals? And I said, in the rest of this next hour, I'm going to show you how to do that. That was the essence of the program, but it was a setup to say, if you want to go after the best people, you got to figure out how the best people look for work and target them. Don't hopefully a good person falls through the cracks. I mean, it's kind of, well, I don't think it was a hard message. That just was the message I made. Larger companies usually have the resources, the internal HR departments, and especially the funds to go out and find experts like yourself. The smaller companies out there, for example, a firm that produces widgets and has most of their employees that work at creating those widgets, they may not know exactly where to go, what tools to use. Do you have any suggestions as to where they start looking, or even how they define what they're looking for. I mean, these executives might not have relationships with accounting firms to point them to a, the perfect accountant. Call a recruiter who does have those connections. I mean, that's the the point is you don't have you just have to know someone who. So the idea is, hey, you call a recruiter who's deeply involved in accounting. Now, the way you do it is you'd ask that person, hey, I'm looking for a recruiter to help me find some accountants. Tell me about your accounting network. How do you find people? And I would then use recruiters who, are, who know how to get referrals. So you don't necessarily have to be the one. The hiring manager doesn't have to be the one, but you just have to use someone who is deeply re- um, networked and uses that methodology as opposed to, well, how do you find your candidates, uh, recruiter? Oh, I post an ad. Well, I can post an ad too. Uh, so the idea is to use tools and resources that get you to those kinds of people, even if you're not necessarily the one who's deeply networked. So could you share with us some of the tools that you use or that you'd recommend using if it's a medium-sized firm, let's say a a new law firm has been set up and some of the senior partners, I mean, they're fully aware of what tools are out there for their profession. But when it comes to searching, they're probably going to resort to the yellow pages and searching through Google. Where where do you think they should start first? I would probably go to LinkedIn because I am very familiar with the tool and I would look up for uh, Recruiters Legal or attorney uh, recruiters, and I'd find people very, very quickly. I'd try to see, you know, what those profiles look like of people in my geographic area. I'd probably contact them and and talk with them to see how well they do it. It doesn't, in my mind, that's, my wife can do that. If I just said, hey, we're looking for some attorney uh, recruiters, I think she has no clue, has never done it. I don't think she'd find it difficult to find some names of people. Now, she might find it difficult to qualify those but nonetheless, finding recruiters that can do that work uh, would not necessarily be difficult. I'd probably also run an ad. Uh, you never know what can happen. Uh, so, I mean, you think about how do you get names of people? One way is you advertise. Um, 
The other way is you do a search on LinkedIn and you send emails to those people. Another one is you find people, either your coworkers who can refer somebody or a recruiter who can work, uh, refer somebody. So I would always still post a very compelling ad, wherever you put it. I guess I tend to just use LinkedIn, so I don't know. I'm not want to say that's the only way to do it, but there are job boards for different things. I'd look those up and I'd post them there. Indeed.com is, I would call it the mother of all job boards because they're an aggregator. An aggregator is one who takes pulls all the jobs from all the different postings and puts them collectively, puts them together. Uh, You can post your jobs on a company or a board like Indeed. To me, the market of active candidates, at best of fully employed active candidates, we've done many, many surveys, is assume 15 to 20%. Uh, But there's so many people who will apply to that ad who are not qualified, so it just makes it very difficult to go through the sheer volumes of it, so I just tend to avoid it doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just, it's not necessarily, it's like that's finding a needle in a haystack. Uh, I would just rather go direct and pay a fee and uh, find the right person and pay for the quality. With all the sites such as LinkedIn that allow you to create and post your profile, do you still see any need to have a traditional resume available, whether it be paper or whether it be in a Word or PDF format that you could easily email? I just talked to a candidate this morning for a VP spot. I found a resume well, I found her through LinkedIn. Uh, she was not referred to me. She actually responded to an ad. It was a very, very compelling ad. Uh, I tend to write creative ads. Um, but of seven client candidates my clients saw, six of them referred to this woman. She's one of the three finalists. Um, the other six were all referred. Uh, I just no more than an hour ago, I said, can you send me a resume? She said, I'll dust it off. And she'll send me a resume. Her LinkedIn profile was more than adequate, but I just wanted a few extra things on it. So she prepared a resume. So I, it's there. Yes, it's still there. Uh, people still want to see the summaries. Uh, so I think it's still important, but it's not. Uh, LinkedIn profile tends to be, uh, if you're on LinkedIn, it's just a simple way of doing it. It's kind of standardized and it's kind of current. So I tend to prefer that, but I tend to always still use resumes with all the clients I'm working with. They still want to see them. Is social media and all of those tools that are available to everyone making the playing field even? So do you see the smaller and medium-sized businesses out there having access to a wider range of candidates thanks to sites like LinkedIn? Uh, Yes and no. Um, And that's good and bad. Uh, I think they certainly can find the candidates, sometimes small firms, don't want to invest. LinkedIn is LinkedIn to what you see as a consumer is not what LinkedIn as a recruiter sees. Their biggest product is essentially a license to see all the names and it's sold to recruiters. Uh, so they pay and a small firm certainly has, if it's big enough to have a recruiter, they certainly could get it or they could hire a recruiter who has access to it. Uh, so yes, they do. The good news, bad news is if you're a big firm, you have a brand uh, if you're a small firm, you don't have a brand, so you got to kind of pitch the fact that you're a credible organization. But in my whole search career, and I still do some search, I don't usually get big companies. I get companies that don't have brands, and I got to go convince my candidates that this is a great career move. So I don't, I think from a practical standpoint, if the hiring manager has a need to hire a top talented, a talented person, uh, he or she can do it the right way. 
irrespective of whether they're a big firm, small firm. And I think a small firm actually has a, a better shot at it in some cases because there's not enough, there's not as much inertia. You can make a, you know, a person can make, as a director can make a much more significant impact. Any level can make them. So I think there's a, a real tale to tell at a mid, small to mid-sized firm that big companies, quite frankly, can't make. They can say it, but they can't really make it. So back in 2007, you wrote a book entitled Hire With Your Head, Using Performance-Based Hiring to Build Great Teams. Can you tell us a little bit about performance-based hiring? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I did a, uh, I don't do a lot of search, but just recently I have. And uh, one of the things I do is, so I'm giving you the background here. One of the things that I do with our clients is introduce them to performance-based hiring as a proof of concept. Proof of performance-based hiring is a means, is a business process for hiring. How you define the work, how do you do sourcing, how do you do interviewing, how do you do the close? And I'll give you a few details on it, but I think a story would be more relevant. One of the ways that we introduce clients to performance-based hiring is through this proof of concept. Uh, if they have a bunch of recruiters, we train them in performance-based hiring. They, com- we, they compare their performance to, to traditional recruiters, and performance-based hiring tend to outperform them in quality and productivity and hiring manager satisfaction. I have one client, relatively big, didn't really have a recruiting team they wanted to send through. So I said the other way we could do it is I could just work on a reasonably senior level position within your company, as long as some C-level officers, the chief uh, accountant, the CIO, whatever it might be, uh, could see it, they would have a, an appreciation for it. So yesterday morning, I did this for was for a senior director of tax for a big company on the East Coast. I'm talking with the chief accounting officer. And I say, uh, and he, they sent me this job description, must have a CPA, must have seven to 10 years of this, must have a master's in tax, must be the strong communication skills must be and all this traditional stuff. So I said to Bill, I said, now Bill, I haven't gotten the assignment. I just said, let me, I told the HR folks, let me talk to the person to see if he or she was interested in using performance-based hiring as part of our search practice. So this chief accounting officer was interested. So and then he, he describes his job to me with all the lists of must-have and skills and all this. And I said, quite frankly, Bill, this is not a job description. He said, what do you mean? I said, this, this is nothing about the job. This is a person description. Is it skills, academics? And I th- I'm nothing wrong with defining a person, but I would like to understand the job. Let's put the person description in the parking lot for a minute, and let's focus on the job itself. And I said, I'd like to ask you a few questions about the job. The biggest one I'd like to ask you is this. Think about hiring a person, thinking about this person starts in the next 60 days, let's just say end of June or first week in July, and it's July 2015, and you look backwards. What has this person accomplished over the course of the year that you think you've hired an outstanding person? And the CAO said, wow, what a great question. Nobody, no recruiters ever asked me that question. I haven't even thought about that myself, but it's so important. And then we went out for a half hour, develop a a t- global tax strategy. Look at the organization and the resources they're being used to make sure that they're working properly. Take a real hard uh, audit of all their tax compliance issues in the next 60 days and make sure that there's no uh, gaping holes or control issues. Whatever it was, it was a list of five or six things a person had to do. And I said, Bill, it's, it's clear that if a person can do this work, they have all the skills and experience necessary. It's hard for me to believe they wouldn't have a CPA if they're really, they might have the, the master's. I'm not positive about that. But the point is they have to do that work. If they can't do the work, they shouldn't get the job. And if they can do the work, they're more than adequate. Uh, 
And if the person you have seven to ten years, I mean, what if I found a world class person? Probably not, but who's got five or six years that can do that? Would you even see the person? So of course I would. It means the person's a high potential person. So the idea is performance based hiring. In a nutshell, is you focus on the work that people have to do, and the work is defined as a performance based job description, not a skills based job description. After that, and then again, I asked, I mentioned earlier. Passive candidates, the way they get their jobs is by through some referral. So now I got to find out what people know this kind of person so I can get a, a warm referral and contact that person. Performance based hiring is also how do I interview a candidate uh, who doesn't want to be interviewed? They're not looking. None of these candidates are looking. So I've got to call these people up. I got to qualify them, got to excite them while I also have to see if they're any good. Uh, so the idea of performance based hiring is doing all of those things in parallel. Recognize your end objective is hiring a great person. It's not interviewing. That's a sub-step. It's not closing. That's a sub-step. Finding is a sub-step. Even defining the work is a sub-step of uh, the whole process. But we think each of those individual units are the steps itself. And that's where a lot of people make mistakes is interviewing is a silo. That's not a hiring process. You even asked me the first question you said is traditional methods of hiring. Well, that's not really what you meant. You really meant traditional methods of uh, candidate identification and uh, sourcing. So, and I and there's a lot, and I thought your question, everybody asks those kind of questions. When you think about hiring as a business process, it's all the steps involved, not individual steps. So then when you design a business process, you're going to say, okay, my end objective is hiring a great person. How do I do that collectively, given all these system restraints? People aren't looking. They got to have referrals. They want good career moves. They don't want to take lateral transfers. So that's what performance-based hiring is, a business process Consider every single possible step within a hiring process. The ultimate step is hiring a top person in what I'll call it a talent scarcity situation where the demand for talent is greater than the supply. That's what performance-based hiring is. It pulls that off. I see some executives out there who principally want academics, and that's what they're looking for. And others are looking for experience. Some obviously are going to go for a mix of the two. What's challenging is if you think you need somebody with a doctorate degree, to uh, come out and program in C-sharp, which didn't exist when he or she took the classes at university. So perhaps they were into mainframes, you know, Fortran, assembly language, and those older languages. You wouldn't be close to having any useful knowledge uh, short of the management aspects, short of the, you know, perhaps logic. So I could definitely see how your performance-based hiring offers a way of getting around this mindset. But I get you. You're right. I just... Um... Now, again, so let me take a slightly different tip. I met a guy yesterday, world-class programmer. I was in San Francisco. He was developing a new piece of software, which is in the hiring space, and he asked me to be on his advisory board. Whether I do or I don't, you could see the guy was a brilliant software developer. I had four, four guys, kids building something. And I said, what language is your, pro, your software programmed in? He said, it's Python. I said, did you have Python when you did it? He said, no, I know COBOL, I know C++, I know Ruby. And he said, I just had to pick this one up. How long did it take you to be pretty good? He said, oh, in two weeks I was coding, and in four weeks I knew how to pull it off. The idea is uh, if people are good, it's, not the, it's the ability to learn quickly, adapt, understand. And I suspect, I'm not a software developer, you probably are, Bob, it's 
understanding the methodology in which the tech, uh, the software can be written to optimize it to make it elegant and work properly, and then the language is more the formatting and the control, you know, the the method which is kind of structured, whatever it may be. But if the ability to learn a language is what I would be looking for, and when you learn it, you've actually produced even the stuff you learned in the past. You, you produce cool stuff with it. You can if you can produce cool stuff and learn something quickly, you can do it again in a different language and equally as cool. Uh, so it's the idea of what you really want is what people do with what they have, what they've accomplished with what they have, rather than what they have. And I think it's focusing on dynamic doing versus the static having that's the difference maker. As we come to the end of the podcast, I'd really like if you could take a few moments to tell us about the essential guide for hiring and getting hired. Yeah, the book is, it's called, well, it's actually called, the official book is The Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired. It's found on Amazon, so just put hiring and getting hired, you'll find it, or even a subset, you'll find it. The The book that I tried to write, and it's because it is different, it does cover the performance-based hiring methodology, but in each chapter, I also wanted to give the job seeker some insight of what he or she could do to uh, help themselves get a job. But the real idea is that as a job seeker, you should be evaluated the same way. You should ask whoever you're interviewing with, tell me a little bit about the job. Let the can let that person describe what work needs to be done. Don't get into this box checking mode, whatever side of the desk you're on. It also helps. To, it tells the hiring manager, here's how you determine and dig into a person's accomplishments to see if they're competent. Uh, but it also says to the candidate, if someone doesn't uh, dig this way, give them an example of something you've accomplished and start the dialogue so that they're evaluating you on your performance. So the book itself is geared for interviewers, hiring managers, recruiters, and job seekers. And that was not easy to be uh, this pure open source methodology, but I think roughly pulled it off. I think it's probably better for recruiters and hiring managers and interviewers because that's what it's geared for. But I think uh, we've seen enough feedback from candidates who looked at it. It's only $10 so for the printed book, so it's not uh, a deal breaker. It's getting, I mean, at, at some point, sometimes it's as, uh, it's ranked as highly as um, what colors your parachute, which is cl- clearly the career book that a lot of people do. So frequently on Amazon, it gets a thread or an article I write where people just glom onto it and it works. And the feedback has been pretty remarkable. We've had people, parents and kids said, hey, this helped me get a job and I really appreciate it. So I think it's, uh, and we just put the audio book out recently. So I tell, it's not me doing the recording, but uh, which was very difficult to get the audio book because it refers to graphs and charts, which so we pulled that off. But I think just listening to the audio clip on Amazon kind of gives you an insight of what it's about. So I think, so I appreciate you asking the question, Bob. So we're going to go ahead and put a link to the Essential Guide for Hiring and Getting Hired by Lou Adler on our website. Well, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. And I hope this was educational to everyone out there. Happy to do it. I hope it was helpful. And I wish everyone who's out there looking for a job, uh, hopefully this is helpful. And if you're looking for people, get a referral. If you have any questions for Lou Adler or for myself, by all means, leave me a comment, send me an email, get in touch. Thanks for tuning in. If you have questions or comments or suggestions for future podcasts, please go to www.ctobob.com. The opinions of the host and of the guests are their own and may or may not reflect the opinions of this website. This podcast is copyright 2014 and is written and produced by Bob Pellin.